This podcast is part of the Everyday Heroes Podcast Network, the network for first responders and those who support them. There it is, Laura. Can't wait. Let's turn it up. Scissors and Scrubs is walking into Tokyo. We're leading the torch. It's Olympics. It's time. Boxing, wrestling, gymnastics, swimming, swimming. track, track, and field. And injuries. Yes. Here we go. The Olympics, Scissors and Scrubs style. Okay. All right, Laura, you ready? My favorite time right. every two years. I hate the Olympics I so much. I can't even fathom that. I have to say, though, what was it? Maybe a week ago. I was out. I had had a good night. So now I'm just kind of like zoning out. And I zoned out for about three hours mm. to the gymnastic Olympic trials mm-hmm. with all the girls. Mm-hmm. Which I love to watch. I mean, yeah. they're unbelievable. Unreal. So we're getting to the end. They're getting ready to pick the last two for the team. And they have all like three or four girls competing. This poor girl. Mm. She gets up. She does one tumble. Oh, yeah. Rolls her ankle, sits down, done. Could you imagine no. all the training? Since you she, were like two. It's done. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe yes, in four years she can try again. But yeah. you was you were here mm-hmm. to the top and you're done. Yeah, I know. It's heartbreaking. 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 But that's the beauty of it. No, it's heartbreaking. No, it's they, so I mean, you're talking homeschooling, not doing anything, not going anywhere, but... Flipping and flipping and flipping and, and then injuries and to win the gold. So yes, good. but she does not even have a shot at it now. I know. But and I'm seriously with Simone Biles playing. How are you ever going to get to that gold? Because she's a powerhouse. She's a nut. She's ridiculous. Yeah. She's ridiculous. I, know. I love it. Okay, so here we are. The Olympic Games, Tokyo. We're going to cover the Olympic Games, okay. scissors and scrub style. Okay. As <laughs> I was writing part of this, I was literally tearing up because it makes me so excited. Oh my god! I, could, I love it. I can't. I love it. I don't think there's anything that makes me that excited. Sports. What's that exciting? <laughs> Nothing makes me that excited. Nope. Okay. Well, Laura. Okay. We're gonna go back about three thousand years ago Sheesh. to the beginning of the Olympic Games. Okay. They started somewhere about eighth century BC. Wow. To about somewhere in the fourth century AD. <laughs> Just a small window. Yeah. But... They were held. Every four years in Olympia on the Western, <laughs> I should have paid attention in high school, Peloponnese, Peloponnese Peninsula, okay. somewhere in Athens. They were in honor of who would they be in honor of back in BC, Greece? A, a Greek god? Yeah, which one? The big guy. Uh, Zeus. Yes, yeah. they were in honor of Zeus. They were held from August. 9th to September 19th. Don't ask me how they know this shit, but they know this shit, okay? Well, was this was all part of history.com. Mm-hmm. Not Wikipedia. <laughs> um, so they're held. They were honoring Zeus. Uh, let's see. The first written records of the game start somewhere around 776 BC. Jesus. When a cook named Corobus won the only event, which was the 192 meter race. 192 meters. 192 meters. Called the Stayed. Oh. And he became the first Olympic champion. Wow. Clearly, there were other Olympic champions, but this is the first one that ever made it to the papers. Mm-hmm. The papers. The papers. Mm-hmm. So after the Romans conquered Greece, the games kind of, they're continuing on, but they're starting to take a hit. Mm-hmm. One of the first big hits is in 67 AD when Emperor Nero enters the chariot race, botches it, falls off his chariot, declares himself the winner. Oh, <laughs> I won! We're done! <laughs> it's all over! I'm on! I mean, I guess when you're racing the emperor, nobody's like being near someone, someone miles. Nobody's winning but you. Yeah. Okay. Well, plus they'll throw you into the uh, the lion pit thing with the lions. <laughs> no, no, lost. you won. You're right. So he's a winner anyway. And then somewhere around 393 A.D., mm-hmm. Emperor Theodosius I, a Christian, mm-hmm. put a ban on all pagan festivities, which included the Olympics. Oh. It is. 12 centuries before the Olympics will show up again. Wow. Um, so about 1,500 years later, a young baron, French baron, named Pierre de <laughs> Coubertin. We'll sure. go with that. We'll call him Pierre. 
He's inspired to start the Olympic Games again when he's touring ancient Greece mm -hmm. and he sees the ancient Olympic site. Mm -hmm. In November of 1892 of that year, Pierre goes to a sports meeting in Paris. It had some big name. I didn't feel like writing it. And he pitches, he pitches the idea of an international Olympic sports competition to start again. Two years later, he gets approval and the International Olympic Committee is founded, which is the governing body mm -hmm. of the Olympics. Mm -hmm. IOC, baby. IOC. IOC. Mm -hmm. In 1896, the first modern Olympics, as we know now, was held in Athens, Greece. Mm -hmm. There is a movie that my mother is obsessed with called The First Olympics. And it's mm. David Caruso's in it. You know, young David Caruso. Okay. Yeah. Clearly, this is going to be the first Olympics that the United States... Well, obviously any of these countries, because it's been 1,500 years. Nobody existed back then except the Romans and the Greeks. So um, the Americans are going to go. But they're looking at ancient Greek things, and they're trying to... Um, it's based on true events. They're trying to figure out how to throw stuff. So mm -hmm. instead of for a shot put, they're using a bowling ball or not a bowling, a cannonball. Mm -hmm. So clearly they're going to throw the shot put as far as they could possibly go because they've been pra they're practicing manhole covers for the discus. Oh, Jesus. Um, we didn't have a, um, a national anthem. And so they picked the Star Spangled Banner. That's what we're going to do. And so it's the cutest movie. Mm -hmm. It shows you how they came up with like the runner stance and all these different things. And it's called the First Olympics. So my mother's obsessed with it. And yeah. it covers these Olympics in Greece. So the first Olympics are opened by King Georgios I to 6,000 spectators, 280 participants, all male from 13 countries. Mm -hmm. And they competed in 43 events. The five Olympic rings signify North and South America, Asia, Africa, Europe, and Australia. Mm -hmm. They were first seen flown on the white flag in 1920 at the Antwerp Games. During 1916, 1940, and 1944, no Olympic Games due to WW1 and WW2. Mm -hmm. 1924, the Games, the Games take off with 3,000 athletes, 100 of them who are women. In 44 nations competing, and that is also the debut of the Winter Olympics. Oh. 2004, the Olympics returned to Athens mm -hmm. that year in honor to unite the ancient... Uh, they returned that year, and in honor to unite the ancient and new games, the shot put event is held in the actual site of the original games mm -hmm. in Olympia. All right. So then I covered... A little bit about the Olympic Games, some of the Olympic um, events, events okay. that they have. Now you have to remember the original Olympic events were all held naked. They're well, all nude. You don't they want were... the clothes holding it. You'd be well, wearing those things, the togas. I mean, the only event back in ancient Rome that you could wear clothes, and no, I'm going to say this wrong, is the hoplite race. Hmm. It's the only race not done in the nude. They wore armor. Helmets, shields, these leg things they had a name for. And it's about... <laughs> it was a 629-foot track that you had to ride. You had to run in this equipment. Ugh. 15 laps. Oh, my God. Equipment. Yeah, that's, that was one race. Not done today. No. Then they had the Pancration, in Latin known as Olive Power. Mm -hmm. This was basically MMA on crack. Oh. Okay, so this was one of the three combat sports in the ancient uh, Olympics. The others were boxing and um, wrestling. Mm -hmm. It is considered the most dangerous sport they had. Anything in this game went. You could do anything but bite and gouge your opponent's eyes out. <laughs> you could choke, you could strangle, you could... You did the goal is to win. That was it. Just don't bite and gouge their eyes. Just don't bite and gouge their yeah. eyes out. That was unsportsmanlike. That's fair. Um, though I guess if you had a big hoo-ha and you're naked, you could potentially gouge them out with those yeah. eyes. You know, you never know. You never know. Okay. You had full horse chariot racing, 12 laps around an eight meter track, which if you've ever watched Ben-Hur, that can get pretty ugly. Mm -hmm. The only rule was you couldn't cut somebody off. Do they have spikes sticking out? Imagine. <laughs> That's like one of my favorite movies, Ben-Hur. And the chariot race just makes it. I love that movie. It's leprosy in it. It's chariot races. It's slavery on the boats you know when they'd be like bunk, oh, yeah. bunk and they're all and then he saves himself oh it's just great uh so then there's boxing it's one of the oldest olympic sports 
But when they boxed, they'd wear leather wraps around their hands, and eventually these would become lethal. And later they would put... Oh, because they were, like, hard. They were hardened. And then they would put, like, blades in them. Huh? And they were killing opponents, so then they stopped doing that. Wow. Okay. <laughs> mm, seems a little unfair. All right. The matches were one round, and the goal was to get the other opponent to either submit or go unconscious. Many died. Mm-hmm. All right. Then we have the pentathlon. Pentathlon. Mm-hmm. So basically, the pentathlon we have split into many events mm-hmm. because it was discus, javelin, long jumps, the stadium, and wrestling. Wrestling was part of that. Wrestling. That's was a part weird. Of that. Wrestling thing to was be part everything. Of that. It was the big mm-hmm. thing. So, like I said, they do all of that today, but it's all its own event. Then you had wrestling, which was considered the safest of those three combat sports. Wow. Long distance running, which is about 3,000 meters. It was 18 to 24 laps around. And they didn't, like, they didn't do laps like we do in a stadium. They would run to this pole, run back and go, and run to this pole, and they just kept running around the pole. They called ahead a name for the pole, but again, couldn't be bothered to write down. The double stayed foot race just meant it was twice as long as the single stayed foot race. And then you had stadium, which was running. Um, it's the oldest Olympic sport, and the stadium is where the race was actually held, which is where we get the word stadium yeah. from. Uh, the winner of this race was considered the winner of all the Olympic events because it was that much of a uh, endurance thing. Yeah. And so as long as there have been Olympics, we have been around. There has been death and injury. Of course. Would you like to kick off the first? Now, my, I go between death and injury. I'm all over the place, so... Well, I talked about the equestrian equestrian events. All right. So you want me to go to my events that were dangerous or, today? Yeah. Okay. Well, Ed, well, then what were you going to talk about? I have hammer throw and javelin. Okay. Yeah. I have the equestrian and... Um, pole vaulting. All right. Let's do those and then we'll cover injuries and death. Yeah. Okay. Done. Go for it. Okay, so I'll start with a question eventing. I got this information from time.com, ncbi.nlm.nih.gov also. Jesus, a lot of letters in there. Very official. Um, so I did it on equestrian eventing. It is the equine or horse equivalent of a triathlon. Oh. Eventing combines three disciplines, dressage, show jumping, and cross country. It is a sport enjoyed by the wealthy and royalty. Well, A, clearly, I don't have that. Mm -hmm. B, I am terrified of horses. Really? I think they're beautiful. Mm -hmm. I don't mind riding it and touching it, but they terrify me. I'm waiting to get kicked, bit, trampled. They're thousands of pounds, ten times my size. It gets pissed off. I'm done. Yeah. Done. So they terrify me. Never walk behind a horse. No, never go near a horse. Mm. They bite. Um... (laughs) We, my grandparents, my father's parents used to have a horse Kelly girl. It was, I think it was from my auntie Lori, who's the youngest. Um, and she, like, we could give her the carrots and sugar cubes. We go hand tied. It'd be so flat because she would bite, take a little nibble. Yeah, it's. Did you see their teeth? They're big. Oh yeah, they look, they look like so... dentures. They like yes, they're, they're not look... part of their mouth. <laughs> like they, their <laughs> lips move independently. Yeah, and they look at you with those eyes, like they think everybody's sketchy when you're coming near. And I don't know. They are beautiful. I think they're the most gorgeous animals, but yeah, well, terrify me. So go ahead. I'm not terrified by it. <laughs> um, so the equestrian eventing has been a part of the Olympics since 1912, and it may be the most dangerous event. I believe it. Um, a tiny miscalculation can permanently harm or even kill the rider and horse. Oof. In 2008, the president of the International Equestrian Federation, or the FEI, as I will say from <laughs> now on, Princess... Of course she's a princess. Heya bint al-Hussein warned the community that eventing might not be part of the Olympics going forward because of the International Olympic Committee's very real safety concerns. Like, it is so dangerous. She's like, we have to put some things into place because this isn't going to be allowed in the Olympics anymore. So the FEI now compiles data on falls and rider injuries because of unusually high numbers of rider deaths, including 12 deaths between 2007 and 2008. 12 in one year. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, the FEI also encourages riders to wear protective equipment like inflatable vests. We'll go over that. Yeah, I was like, what does that do? Um, during eventing, horses perform many jumps. They jump over fences. They jump over hedges. They jump over, um, like, just obstacles. And some of them are, like, permanent. Some of them are, hmm. like, a fence, like, that could yeah, fall. Could be, but yeah. some of them are, like, a 
you know, a, a wall that's built in the middle of a field. Um, and usually there's around 40 obstacles in the 3.5 mile race. So they are constantly going Jumping. over obstacles. Um, if the horse hits the obstacle, the rider can be thrown. If the horse has a rotational fall, which is when they somersault over an obstacle and they crash onto their backs. Oh, the horse. That would kill you. The big, yes, huge horse. Yes, the would kill you. You're strapped yeah. to him. Nope, I'm good. Um, the horse can break its neck or back and it permanently oh. disables the rider 25% of the time. Um, they were two. Wasn't Christopher Reeve doing some kind of vent like that when he got paralyzed? I know he was on a horse, but I don't know what he was doing. I think he was doing some kind of weird mm-hmm. event like that. Go ahead. Jumping. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there were 283 horses that tumbled in 2011 at FEI co- competitions alone. 283. That's a lot. And at least 12 um, horse deaths during falls in competition between 2009 and 2012 during the competition. Not practice. Right. Like those tumbles Indeed. can happen. These falls, these deaths all occurred in competition. Um, stats of horses that are put down due to injuries at competitions are not very well known. Since horses are personal property. Nobody and the owners do not have to disclose why a horse was put down. Aww. So the horse could have fallen during competition, you know, it breaks mm-hmm. its leg on a fall. They put it down later. They don't have to say it's because this horse had a fall. It's just they put the mm-hmm. horse down. So it's hard to right. know the stats. So the, here's some horse stats, which are Oh, awful. I love horse stats. I cannot even watch a movie where a horse is going to be injured. Oh, I know. I don't, I don't know why. It, like, the kill- opening scene of fucking yellowstone oh yeah and the poor horse and he shoots him i was like oh i don't know what it is i can't like they're so innocent i know they don't want to be doing any of this they just want to go and do their thing yeah it's just awful but anyways these are some horse deaths in 2008 tsunami 2 died after somersaulting over a hedge and breaking its neck call again cavalier was euthanized after breaking his leg during a venting 2009 bailey wick had a rotational fall which means again he Flipped somersaults over. over the thing and the horse lays on lands on yeah. its back. It's just fifteen thousand pounds lands terrifying. on him. Um so he this Bailey Wick had a rotational fall which threw the rider, Philip Dutton, clear off and killed Bailey. Aww. Um in two thousand ten um, poor Loy Alvin flipped over a jump and broke his back. Um, Desert Island twisted and broke her leg on the corner of a fence and had to be put down. I would think if this horse breaks its back, they're going to kill it right in the event. You can't move it off. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what they do. Like, put it out of its... Oh, my God. Could you... In 2012, Segoy broke his neck on a fall at um, Tattersall's International Horse Trials near Dublin. And these are human injuries. Why do the horse injuries bother me more than any human injuries we've talked about in three years? I can't... (laughs) But I, like, that's what, I can watch a movie and the person's killed, I'm but then the horse is hurt, this. and I'm like, oh my god, I'm sickened over I, this more so than sad. anybody else we've discussed in three years. They keep saying the rotational falls. Like I just can't picture the poor, poor horse thing flipping. thinking like I didn't want to go this way. How do, how many how many times do you see a person flip and you're like, oh, you landed on your back, you lost your breath, but like these, oh yeah. my god, I can't. What thing? Anyways, so here's some human injuries. There are six common scenarios in which riders are injured during eventing. One is um, away from an obstacle, a horse slips on the flat and falls, and the rider continues forward or sideways or sometimes under the horse. You don't usually have as bad of injuries when it's on the flats as opposed to when it's on the jumps. Um, The second um, scenario is the horse refuses to jump, stops in front of the obstacle, launches you, but the rider continues in forward motion and gets launched. The third is the horse attempts to clear a jump, hits it, the horse's forward momentum stops abruptly, and the rider's doesn't, so the rider gets thrown again. Um, the fourth is the horse fails to negotiate a jump successfully, and the rider gets caught up in the chaos. Like, he clips his ankle, he's, the horse clips his foot, you know, the, the rider then is tumbling with the horse. Um, the fifth way is the horse stumbles and falls on landing, the rider continues forward or is caught under the horse. And the sixth is the horse hits the jump with the chest or his front legs. Mm. And the forward momentum carries its body onward and forwards, making the horse somersault over the jump. So that's a rotational fall. The rider is propelled to the ground in front of the obstacle in the vicinity of where the horse will land shortly thereafter. So in a rotational, the rider is usually thrown right to the ground. Mm -hmm. And then the horse is 
landing on top of him. Very close or on top of. Um, in a study of rider deaths between 1993 and 2015, of the 59 deaths reported in the study, 41 were the result of rotational horse falls for humans. Yeah. Um, other common injuries to riders are concussions, traumatic brain injuries, crush injuries, and broken ribs. There, there have been advances, though, in the safety measures. The inflatable vests I mentioned earlier that they make, they encourage them to wear. Are one way to protect against broken ribs and crush injuries. Mm-hmm. So they wear this vest that blows up. So if the horse does fall, on the, it Helpful has a little, little cushion. So hopefully your whole chest doesn't crush him. Or you're just going to sound like a big, you know, bubble pop when yeah. he hits you. Um, or even when you're thrown, at least you're not. Yeah. It's protecting your chest. Um, frangible pins are designed to prevent rotational falls. They are used on fences and they're designed to collapse when too much of the horse's weight lands on it, um, which lessens the risk of the rotational fall. Because if the fence just gives way, the horse is just going to fall instead of hitting something solid and flipping mm-hmm. over it. Um, they cannot be used on solid obstacles like walls, however, because... So maybe they to... should stop using solid obstacles. The FEI does not require frangible pins to be used. At the 2012 Olympics, only three of the 40 obstacles... We're fitted with frangible pin technology. Um, um, I can't even... Deformable. I can't... I'm like, what is the word? Deformable foam logs are another safety technology that cushions the horses that slam into them. But they're really used to... So they'll put these foam logs on top of a wall or something. Uh-huh. So if the horse hits it with this chest, it will cushion it a little bit. Yeah. Very rarely used. And the courses are all up to the designers of that course. So if they say, nope, I want 40 walls. Because it's suggested, but they don't have to. Maybe they need a have to now. I know. Um, So that's, that's eventing. It's scary. It's terrifying. I I hate watching them clip it. Oh, I, I love watching it, but you're so afraid Mm. one of those horses is going to fall or hit the stupid thing. You just feel so bad for them. You know what I like watching? What's that? The Westminster dog. Because I'm waiting for one of the handlers to trip. <laughs> that's, that's what I like to watch. I hate the way they run in that. Because <laughs> it's stupid. And you know one of them's going to get Like, people have tripped and fall. Yeah. And that's what I wait for. The dog looks at you like you're an idiot. So half of these events, I didn't even know. All right. Because clearly I don't watch the Olympics. Hammer throw. I would have thought they were throwing an actual hammer. Like a Thor's hammer. It's <laughs> just yeah. <laughs> not throwing a Thor's hammer. <laughs> The hammer throw dates back to the 15th century. Wow. I don't know who thought this. Maybe when they had the mace. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the knights used to have. Yeah. It's one of the oldest Olympic game traditions. The, quote, hammer is an 16 pound, is 16 pounds, and it measures three feet by 11 and three quarters. It's a round thing, so I don't know how they're measuring it. So it must be three feet long. And then the yeah. ball is 16 the, pounds like the, and the, 11 and the three The thing that, hold, that you hold yes. that has the ball on the other end. Yes. Three feet long. Yes. So the thrower is inside a concrete circle, just like the discus. Mm-hmm. And he spins on the inside of it and launches the um, hammer. And, you know, it's really technical. Whoever throws it, the farthest wins. Yeah. Why is it dangerous? Well, because mm-hmm. you get hit with the hammer. Head. Well, it's not just them. Yeah. So, 19-year-old Ethan Roser of Cincinnati, he's volunteering at Wheaton College uh, outside of Chicago in Mm -hmm. 2017, and he's standing near the track. He's really not involved in this hammer event in any way, and this is during warm-ups for the track and field events, one of them being the hammer throw, Mm -hmm. and Ethan is killed when the hammer hits him (gasps) in the head. So the danger for the sport is that the people, you don't know where the hammer's going to go. Right. And the people You're letting around, go of it. Yes. Just, yeah. Aren't paying attention yeah. a lot of the times. So one of the um, officials of the hammer throw almost gets cracked with the hammer because he's not paying attention. It passed within like an inch of his head. So what they're telling you is when you're on the field, the sport's so dangerous that they're not allowing any electronics or cell phones or any devices. You have to be completely aware when they're throwing this hammer mm-hmm. because people are getting killed. April 2007, Adachi Hikashi, who was a high school student in Japan, is picking up his hammer. So he had thrown it already and he was going to pick it up. But somebody else had thrown <gasps> one. Kills him in the head with the hammer. Oh my god. Lapsed into a coma and dies. In 2005, at so- uh, Southern California University, Noah Bryant throws his hammer, 
which then ricochets off the protective screen and smashed him in the face. So he ended up with full reconstructive surgery in his oh face. Fortunately for him, that was the worst of his injuries. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's can all. Can you of, imagine that coming back? The feel of that? Oh. Well, I mean, you remember the scene in Braveheart when he's been double crossed by the lords mm-hmm. and he takes the horse and rides it into the guy's bedroom and he takes the mace, which looks like the hammer, and he just caves in the side of the guy's no. head with it. Do you remember that scene? Do you remember that scene, Mike? No. All right, well, he. You know who will remember that? My friend Katie. Katie, she loves you'll Braveheart. know the scene I'm talking about. And if they show you literally. The ball caving in the guy's ah. head. That's, That's what, what this that had is. to be yeah. like. This was what it has to be and it's like. It's got to just be so... F- you couldn't even move. Like, no, it had to be so fast just, you couldn't even exactly, move. Exactly. Yeah. Dead instantly. 16 uh. pounds thrown at your head. Oh, so, that's the hammer throw. Next. Oh. <laughs> um, And then I just have pole vaulting. Okay. Which will lead into my javelin throw. Right. I think. Yeah. So, pole vaulting. I got this information from... AltiusPoles.com, MilesSplit.com, and ESPN.com. Oh, stuff from. I don't know. Pole vaulting looks so fucking hard. It looks so fun. It looks fun. It like looks you're almost flying. so fun. But it like looks so hard. Oh, it's. I mean, it's got to be near impossible. Um, so it's a track and field event in which a vaulter, or a person, uses a long, flexible fiberglass or carbon fiber pole as an aid to leap over a bar. That's pretty much what they do. It is one of the most technically demanding events. Yes, a hundred. I love watching the pole yeah. vaulters. I'm not gonna lie, I like watching those. It combines gymnastics, weightlifting, sprinting, and jumping. Yeah. Um, it's become a men's. It became a men's Olympic event in 1896. Guess when it became a women's Olympic event? 1986. 2000. Are you kidding? Thousand. <laughs> I, I was like, are you shitting me? 2000. I know I've seen women pole vaulters. Yes, though. since 2000. That's pathetic. Yeah. That's pathetic. Yeah. Um, it came about by people using poles to vault themselves over natural obstacles. Um, like waterways really and marshes. Yeah. I thought it, it was just like they did in like movies. No, they did in like Europe to get like through like marsh lands and stuff. They would take a pole and go from like the patch to patch to patch. Um, jumping poles were kept at houses in Europe so people could cross um, roads and waterways without getting wet. Um, the Olympic record for men is 6.3 meters or 19 feet, nine and a quarter inches, which was set Up in two- the air, right? Is yes. High. high. Um, set in 2016 by Thiago Braz de Silva. <laughs> um, the Olympic record for women is 5.05 meters or 16 feet, six and three quarters inches, set in 2008 by Yelena Um the most common injuries are lower extremity ligament sprains from landing wrong. Mm-hmm. You're going to land, you're flying over that thing and then you land. But usually you, you land on that big, huge, puffy mat. Yeah. But not so much. You're like 19 feet in the air and then you're coming down. You just come down, you know, you just roll it. Um, So there's like little injuries like that. And then there's catastrophic injuries. Oh, you know, the ball, ball snaps and impales mm-hmm. you. Um, one study showed from 2003 to 2011, there were 19 catastrophic injuries. Um, and four of those occurred when the vaulter landed off the sides or the back of the landing box. Um, and one when the pole broke, there were 11 major head injuries, one fatality from the head injuries, Mm four, four spinal fractures, one with paraplegia. Two pelvic fractures, both with intra-abdominal injuries, one brainstem injury, which was fatal, and one thoracic injury, which included rib fractures and a pneumothorax. Um, these numbers are actually have actually improved since the 2003 rule change on the size of the vault box and um, mandating vaulters, especially high school athletes, use the correct pull for their weight. So kids in high school would be pole vaulting and you don't own your own pole. Right. In high school, right? Right. right. So they oh, let me use the high school ones. I might weigh 180 mm. and you might weigh 120. You can't use the same pole because right. it's not going to support your weight. Right. Um, so now there is a rule that they ha- it has to be their, that for their correct weight and the vault box is bigger. Yeah, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, in May 2015, a Michigan high school pole vaulter was impaled by his pole 
when it snapped during the Larry Steeb Memorial Meet of Champions. It struck his orbital bone, and he was rushed to the University of Michigan Medical Center and underwent a five-hour surgical procedure to fix his eye. He actually lived. Um, Jesus Casada of Cluiston High School in Florida died in 2002, um, four days after he bounced off the pads and struck his head at the mm. practice. So, like, because the end of the pads is the track yeah which is yeah. like cement so they're yeah. when they come off the ends of it or the sides of it they're just hitting cement um three days later penn state golfer kevin dare who was 19 um fell headlong into the metal vault box at the oh. big 10 indoor championships and died um with his parents in the stands oh and then about a month later samoa Fili. F-I-L-I, was, who was 17, was in a pole vault competition for Wichita Southeast High School. His father was taking pictures, saw that he went up at an angle, like knew weird. it was wrong, and Samoa couldn't adjust. He let go, but his momentum pushed him forward, so his body landed on the landing zone, but his head hit the concrete. Oh. He died two days later of head injuries. Um. And like I said, they've made the landing pads larger, and many states are requiring vaulters in high school and college to wear helmets now. Yeah, I mean, I understand why they're doing that, but I wonder if the weight of the helmet affects the vaulting. Because it's I mean, probably, but I don't know. This like it makes sense. Yeah, streamlined helmets for bikes and shit now that you can wear, but you don't think of this shit. Like your kids going to play track, like Sam's going to play track and field. If they if Sammy came up and said, "Oh, I'm doing the pole vault," I'd be like, "Okay, yeah." Like, all right, knock yourself out, give it a whirl. Uh, no, never mind. See, I'd say, okay, no, none of my kids are getting over that bar. No. Oh, I don't, see, that's the thing. I'm like, I don't know that it helps. None I of my kids are going to actually get over the it, bar. It's the landing pad. That's how. I'm more worried they kill somebody else with the pole vault. I know. Oops. Oh, is that it for pole vaulting? That's it for pole yeah, vaulting. If that isn't enough. That's enough. Well, basically, the javelin is throwing the pole vault. With a sharp end. With a very sharp yeah. end. Metal tipped. Must be metal tipped. Um, so a men's javelin is 800 grams. I have no much idea how much that weighs. And it's 2.6 to 2.7 meters long. Again, I have no idea how long that is. The woman's is 600 grams, 2.2 to 2.3 meters long. You cannot, when you're throwing at any point, turn your back to the arena. Like you run, run, run. You just got to throw. You can't angle or do anything to it. It's a straight throw when you do it. And it must land tip first, like Mm -hmm. a jar. Mm-hmm. So basically, jarts and javelin throwing is the mm-hmm. same thing. Um, so you can see when you're throwing the spear through the air, like the hammer, you're not paying attention why this could be a problem yeah. in track and field. Yeah. So August of 2012, a 74-year-old official was killed after <gasps> being struck with a javelin while measuring the throw. <gasps> so somebody else had thrown the javelin again. What? You're looking at them. I don't understand <laughs> Unless that they think... Unless he walks over, he's not paying attention. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how far these go. Maybe they couldn't see him. I don't know. I don't know. But again, I agreed crazy. with you. I'm like, how does yeah. he get hit? So in 2021, a high schooler was impaled in the thigh by his own javelin. <laughs> so he went to retrieve the javelin. And when he was trying to recover it, it ended up through his thigh. And he ended up in the ER. Wow. So then there was a story in 1983 about a 13-year-old girl. This, I didn't... She had to have been at a boarding school because she's 13 Mm -hmm. and they're amateurs at this and they were she was playing for her house team throwing the javelin Mm -hmm. so she felt really cool about herself because she was bullied and she felt like maybe this is my thing and Mm -hmm. she looks out she can see her girlfriend sammy and sarah they volunteered to measure the distances of the javelin throw so she's doing her thing she launches the javelin And she's seeing it veer towards one of her friends. And they shout out to Sammy, who ducks and takes the javelin through her eye. So at first, the girl's like, oh, she ducked and missed her. And then they realize it went through her left eye. Oh, my God. She died four days later. Yeah. Uh, The girl goes on to explain how, like, for the athletes who have done the throwing of the hammer, of the javelin, they can't get past sometimes what they did to somebody else how could you nobody it's not blames your them. intention nobody blames yeah. them it was not their f- right. it's their fault but it was not their fault right um things happen but 
her life was very yeah. difficult after that, yeah. as you can imagine. And at 13, I mean, why would you give 13-year-olds a javelin who have never used can one? Can you imagine, though, the luck that that javelin comes at you, you duck at the exact to hit time you right and position the to go right through your eyeball. But had she not ducked, it would have taken her in the chest. Yeah. She no, was, I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, like, what it was going to kill her no matter what. Like that. Yeah, because yeah. the eyeball's not very big. No, not very big no. target. I mean, there are. Did you cut? You didn't cover anymore, right? No. There were other events like cycling. Mm-hmm. People have died doing the bike races. The indoor cycling, which is the most bizarre event ever, they just ride around inside on the track <laughs> on these weird little bikes. Um, and if you get into the Winter Olympics, mm. when they come around, we'll talk about the Winter Olympics and all those crazy ass events. These kids train. For their entire life to get to this moment to mm-hmm. win the gold. But the dangers and the injuries. Mm-hmm. If I was to pick an event, it would be gymnastics all day long. The way they tumble through the air and yeah. they fly in the, the little trapeze things. But every one of them fucks up their leg. Yeah. Fucks up their arms. Their shoulders. They, they're they a mess. Yeah. They're a mess. Mm-hmm. And, they're and they're 15. 15. I know. And they're a mess. I know. So now we're going to go on to some injuries and deaths yeah. at the Olympics. Because what would a Scissors and Scrubs episode be without injury and death? Yeah. So would you like me to cover the first death to have happened in the Olympics? Sure. Okay. The modern day Olympics, might I add. Obviously. I'm sure there was a ton of olden day ones. So in 1912, you had the Stockholm Olympics. And they saw the first death in the modern Olympics. Mm-hmm. Francisco Lazaro... He is, as every Olympian is, an amateur sportsman whose normal job was as a carpenter in an automobile factory in Lisbon, Portugal. He had won three marathons in Lisbon, including the 1910 Lisbon Marathon. So he was an avid, he had run many marathons. Mm -hmm. And he's used to running in the heat because he's this, he runs in Portugal, it's hot. So... The day of the race, he's going to try to improve his performance while he's running. And he lubes his entire body up in wax. Uh-oh. Mm. Mm, I know it's going to happen. We all know it's going to happen. Mm-mm. Well, he did this because he wanted to prevent himself from sweating. Because no. he figured it would be better performance. No. And what happens when you stop sweating? You fuck yourself up. Yeah. So, what happened is, by um, you can't sweat. You can't cool down. Your body starts to overheat. Uh So about halfway through the marathon, he falls for the first time. And he's like all confused and he can't walk straight. He gets up. I don't know if he even runs another mile or not. And he collapses for the second time. Doesn't get back up. By the time he's taken to the hospital, his internal temp is 105.8. And he dies the next day. Oh, my God. Uh, The following weekend, they had a memorial service held at the stadium for over 23,000 people in attendance. Wow. They raised like $3,800 for his widow. And in 1912, that's like $40,000 million. Mm-hmm. And they are comparing it to the very first runner of the marathon who supposedly collapsed and died after running the marathon mm-hmm. as well. So that is Francisco Lazaro. Don't cover yourself in wax when you're no, going you have to... to sweat. Yes, yeah. yes. It's not going to make you more streamlined. No. Um. Okay, well, I have a death. Oh, yeah? I'll yeah. see you and raise you one. Uh, well, um, Nikolai Barat. I got this from HowThePlay.com. Um, a Romanian featherweight boxer died four days after losing his boxing match in the 1936 Berlin Olympics. His official cause of death was blood poisoning. Blood poisoning? But many speculated he died of head injury sustained during the match. Literally all the information I could find. Yeah, but they, they don't give you a ton of that. But them. how I, I find it so bizarre like they're like no he died of blood poisoning yeah because they don't want it to be the boxing event they yeah. killed him yeah you know but he got unless he took a kidney punch in front of everybody yeah. in the head well i mean or he took a kidney punch and went septic that's the only thing yeah. no 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 all right i don't have another death but i have my injuries okay. that i can get into i do have information i got information from history.com i got information from sports casting i was all over the place yeah all right so I remember this. Mm-hmm. Why do I remember this? Because it was gross? Because he was one of the hottest men I had seen um, in a very long time. Okay. Oh. Yeah. I can only be speaking about Greg, Greg Louganis. Uh-huh. Greg Louganis, who later came out and broke every female's heart when he said he was gay. But God damn, was he fucking gorgeous. <laughs> so he was at the 1988 Seoul Olympics. Mm-hmm. 
He is on the ninth dive of his preliminary round of the three meter springboard. Mm -hmm. And I was watching it today and Cameron had come in and literally he comes in just as he, uh -oh. and I was like, Oh, and he just, so he, he jumps and he, he you know, tucks his legs and flip, flip, crack. He hits the oh, back of the board, crumples into the water. Mm -hmm. I remember it being a lot worse. They show you him. He's just holding the back of his head when he got out, but the whole arena hears the boom when he yeah. hits the board. So they give him four temporary st um, stitches and he finishes the preliminary mm -hmm. event. And he goes to the hospital, gets five permanent stitches and goes on to win the gold in the springboard diving. Crazy. Go, Greg. Fucking love him. I mean, love him. you had to have a concussion. Oh, my God. He was... Have you At least ever... he was the springboard. Have you ever dove off a high springboard? Do you? Do I look like somebody who's ever dove no. off a high... Yeah. So we used to dive off the springboard... At this resort we went to. And it was, pro I mean, it felt like it was like 400 feet mm -hmm. in the air. It was probably 12. Mm -hmm. You would have to um, lace your fingers mm -hmm. and put them, like, instead of diving with your hands together, you would lace your fingers and put it first so it would break the water because oh, the water like hurts your head that mm -hmm. much. Never mind hitting the board with yeah. your head. I and just then can't. hitting the water because yes. he stole up. Right. I can't even I fathom. Love watching diving though. I, yeah. It's so graceful. Yes. I mean, again, you must feel like you're and, and what kills me. They do these four thousand flips and cuts, but he made a splash. Three <laughs> points off. Are you fucking serious? You get up and do that without a splash. Come on. Well, that's the point. Not the flips and the back flips no, and the spins the and the cuts. Aerodynamic. But he made a splash. Oh, give me a break. No. Give me a break. What I you have got, to Laura? Judge on something. Um, I have one more death and then I have injuries. Um, Nud, Nud, <laughs> Nud Nudson, Enermark Jensen was a cyclist in the 1960 oh, Rome Olympics. Cycling. While competing in the team race, he collapsed, fell to the road and fractured his skull. Oh, he died shortly after in a medical tent. So they never even made it off the track. The official cause of death was heat stroke, but the team doctor later admitted to giving Jensen and his teammates a vasodilator before the race. It increases blood flow and is um, now called doping. When they say, oh, they were doping before a race, that's what they mean. They take a vasodilator. So he vagled. Yeah. And passed out. Because of the controversy of... Well, I, I actually think it was his heart, not his the head. What year did this happen? 1960. Wow. So they were doping. Yeah. Back then. Um, Back then. Because of the controversy of Jensen's real cause of death, the Olympic Committee mandated drug tests be performed on all athletes. They began in the Winter Olympics of 1968. So because wow, of his death, yeah. that's why they test all the athletes. Um, in in the vasodilators, if people don't know, they can lead um, to got cardiovascular cardiovascular collapse, and that's mm -hmm. what happened to him. Aww. So he died because he was doping. It's amazing how competitive. Like, I know it's a competition. Yes, but like. The extremes they go to to win. Oh, yeah. It's... Yes, but I mean, when you spend your whole life doing it. I know. I mean, not that you, you should dope or anything, but I I mean, you can. But you should be judged on your natural I ability, know. period. I know. It's period. just the stress of That's it. cheating because it's not your it natural ability. It it's that like is when the, the Russian hockey team was all professional hockey players playing against all young college kids. Yeah. It's not fair. Right. And we still kick their ass. 1980 Miracle on Ice. Oh, just my saying. God. I cannot tell you how many times I can watch that movie. So, let me let me tell you my Michael Ruzioni story, okay? So, if you don't know who Michael Ruzioni is, you're not he from was, Boston. Well, you're not from Boston. You're not from Winthrop either. And mm -hmm. he was the captain of the 1980 Miracle on Ice hockey mm -hmm. team. So, the three days before my mother-in-law suffers a massive heart attack and dies, my husband and I go out for Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. That's what it was. And, and the reason I say that is because he was so on a high and then his mother suddenly dies and I felt bad. But at least he got this. So we're going to dinner at this restaurant in the North End. And at the time, he had a friend who got us like really good seats at this restaurant. So he was up parking the car. I walk into the restaurant. And you have to know the North End of Boston. It's highly Italian. I say this, I am Italian, mm -hmm. and I'm looking at this guy at the bar, and I'm like, who is this greaseball? Look at this guy. He's got the jet black hair, mm -hmm. the black 
leather like mm-hmm. suit coat, mm-hmm. a black leather suit coat. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Right. So he's at the bar. Brian comes in. I'm like, Brian, look at this Goomba <laughs> at the bar. And he looks, he goes, it's Michael Ruzioni. It's Michael Ruzioni. Fucking Michael Ruzioni. Fucking Michael Ruzioni. I'm like, take it easy. Because you know who he is. I'm like, I know who Michael Ruzioni is. I just didn't know that right. was Michael well, Ruzioni. And it's like 30 years later. Yeah. yeah. He, I said, well, he's standing by himself. Goes, I can't go talk. And I'm like, go say hi to him. He probably gets it all the time. Yeah. We sit down. He's like, we got better seats in this place than Michael Ruzioni. <laughs> I can't believe it. Michael Ruzioni walks into the restaurant. Everybody stops pictures with him. I'm like, you should have gone up to him, but yeah. he he still talks about the day he saw Mike Aruzioni at Fiori's of the North End. Mm. So Mike Aruzioni, if you happen to be listening to Scissors and Scrubs, you owe my husband an autograph. <laughs> All right, so I'm sorry, we digressed way off. Way off. Are you done with your death? Yeah, I was done with my death. You started some. Did I? I didn't get into anybody yet, did I? All right. Well, anyway, why are we talking about that? I don't know. I don't know why we were talking. I think we talked. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we went on a tangent. Okay, so I get into an injury. I think he's my only injury. No, because I went into Greg Louganis. I think he's the only other guy to do. No, I got a few. Good. You can finish those off. Okay. Because you like the Olympics more than I do, I do. anyway. <laughs> All right, so I got a French guy. Samir Ait Saeed. Doesn't sound French, but he is. This is the Rio Games 2016. Mm-hmm. He is doing a qualifying round for men's gymnastics. The only thing I like better than female gymnastics is men's gymnastics. Because their bodies are something. Ridiculous. And just the power. They have ten times the power the women do. So to watch them on the rings and the... Like, I just... Oh, yeah, it's ridiculous. I think it's amazing. Um, So he vaults, lands, and the whole arena hears his fibia snap. His fibia and tibia snap. Crack! And when you look the picture so he's laying on his back mm-hmm. with his knees bent mm-hmm. one leg is straight like you would when your knees bent the other one is off to the left mm-hmm. in the most bizarre fucked up angle you've ever mm-hmm. it's like a right angle mm-hmm. it's disgusting yeah needless to say his days at the 2016 olympics were over mm-hmm. but in the 2012 olympics he did the same thing on the other leg. No, we didn't. Yes, he did. He had also broken his right tibia in three places in the 2012 Olympics, also on the vault. Oh, my God. The vault was not his strong suit. Yes, but within four years, he had broke he had, he broke one tibia in three places mm. and then... Broke the other one. But, but then four years later, he was competing in the Olympics yes. after he healed. And then did it again. I know, but that's amazing yes. that he could even heal enough to get to the Olympics. Because of that, the French team never even made the qualifying. Uh. They never made it. They said, clearly, everybody's screwed up about it. And he was like, um, he was a runner-up for the rings. That was his best yeah. event. He was like in in for medal for the event. And again, snapped his legs, done. Uh, Couldn't do it God. anymore. Broke my heart. I was like, I just, the vault, the vault, the balance beam scared the shit out of me. Yeah. I'm waiting for somebody to crack something I on know. one of those. I know. All right, take it away. Take us to the finish line. All right. I got three injuries. <gasps> Ooh. I have Adrian Nasty, maybe. I got this Nasty. She nasty. Insider.com. She's a Hungarian gymnast. She was doing um, her bar routine in qualifying round at the Sydney 2000 Olympics. Bar also was the balance beam or the bar is those trapeze things? No, the the bar that you hang from and spin around. Okay. Like there's the uneven yep. bars and yep. then there's the bar. I love those. Um, so she, she's spinning around the bar. As she's spinning, there's video of this. Her hands slip and send her face first to the end of the mat in what lo- what looks like a horrific neck injury. She flies off as she's spinning, literally flies straight forward, straight forward into the ground at the end of the mat. Oh, my God. Head first, neck goes sideways. <gasps> it looks like she's dead. Looks like she's dead. She lays motionless for 30 seconds and then gets up uninjured. It literally, watch the video. It she's looks like she breaks her neck. Um, I think they said she was just like, I just lost, like, that's it. Like, so she just laid there because, I mean, I'm well, thinking yes. she's stunned, but it said that she was just kind of like, I'm done. Pissed because she, no, that's yeah. over. Anyways. That's something. Yeah. Now this, this one and my last one, Derek <laughs> Redman. Um, I got this from Olympics.com. He was a British runner 
who was favored to medal in the 400 meter race at the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. I remember wearing my Barcelona Olympic shirt <laughs> down the Cape. I have so many pictures of that shirt. I was, we were at my auntie's cottage. I remember like vividly the 1992 Olympics. Um, <laughs> I was just like, are they almost over? No. With 21 oh Jump Street. Oh my God, I loved it. Um, I still do. At the semi, I, and I can see this as clear as day, right? When we were like looking this up, I'm like, I know exactly what this is. Like I can see him as clear as day. At the semifinals, um, he's running the race to place. Um, you see him running, you see his leg kind of funny, and he reaches back his hamstring tore. Oh, completely tore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he did not stop. His hamstring is no longer working. It's ripped. He kept like limping towards the finish line. All of a sudden, you see somebody pushing and shoving in the crowd. His father comes down out of the stands, puts his arm around him, hysterical, and like has him limp with yeah. him towards the finish line. Um. In just before the finish line, his father, Jim, let go of Derek so he could complete the race on his own. Um, The 65,000 people in the stands gave Derek a standing ovation. Obviously, he did not meddle, but I love that. I just love that. Who was the one? She was racing. She was in American racing. And there was that little German fucker that had no shoes on. And she tripped her up. And they both tumbled at the Olympics. Do you remember that? I think she was German. Maybe she was South African. She was a little tiny white woman and she was running barefoot at the Olympics. Mm. And she, it would have been like the 90s. Was it it, um, the lady with the really long nails? Maybe. The the American runner? Mm Mm-hmm. She was an older, she'd been in, she'd meddled often. I think I know who you're talking about. And she gets tripped up in her feet because of the way the girl was running. It was just like ridiculous. And I was, I remember watching them being like, I hate her. Ugh. I don't know. Go ahead. Um, and then the last one is Carrie Strug. Oh, tears mm. bring to everybody's eyes. Literally, she I'm writing it. Peanut my... with a little tiny boy. It's just so. It's just so awesome. Um, so Carrie Strug was a gymnast in the 1996 Atlanta Games. Now we're on a home field. I can't believe it's 1996. I know. It seems like that was like yesterday. I know. We're on our turf. Oh yeah. Like you've got to. Come on, get you home. gotta show them. Right, you gotta show them what you got. The American gymnastics team was nicknamed the Magnificent Seven that year. Mm-hmm. Um, America had never won the team gold. Russia was the favorite to win. Oh, they always are. Russia had won like the past six team gymnastic gold. team yeah. gold. Um, but as the co- competition neared its conclusion, the Magnificent Seven found themselves in a dominant lead for the final event, the vault. That stupid vault. Mm-hmm. Doesn't even make sense. I, How does that even become an event? I don't know. Maybe because of the nerves and the pressure, the four first American vaulters did not land clean. All four of them do it. No one lands clean. Then, Dominique Mosiano fell on both of her attempts. Oh. Carrie was the last to go. Before you finish, Dominique Mosiano, I just found out one of our good friends was big gymnast. I didn't know that. And that was her. She's like, my walls were covered with Dominique. With Dominique. Did you ever hear the story of Dominique? Mm. So she's what we're, we're, we're at work the other night. She's core. So I'm sitting with her and she's showing me this. We couldn't hear, but you could see it. She was telling me what had happened. Dominique's this big Olympic gymnast. There's this girl who was born no legs at all. She just has like yeah. hips was her biggest fan. And this girl with no legs tumbles and spins and tumbles and spins and tumbles and tumbles and tumbles. Biggest, biggest fan. I have to watch this because I don't know how they found out. But Dominique's parents had given birth to her and gave her up for adoption because she had no legs and they wanted a gymnast as a child. No, sir. So then they have Dominique. And she becomes this gold Olympic gymnast. Mm Mm-hmm. She has some kind of falling out with her parents, but finds out this girl is her sister, her full biologic sister. And when you see them, They're they the look exactly alike, except this girl is older. Could you imagine no. finding out your idol is your goddamn sister? No. And what kind of parents do that? You still could have had an Olympic. I know. Like, 
Wow. I don't know. I'm like, sorry, okay. go ahead. Anyways, that's awful. Um. So anyway, all right. So now, first floor American Vaultas don't land clean. Dominique falls on both landings. Carries, carries up. It's all on Carrie. Her vaults would mean the difference between silver and the first ever oh. gold team. Team gold. Um, her first attempt, for her first attempt, she vaults, goes up, looks great, lands awkwardly, and her ankle gives out. Crowds like done, stunned. It's over. She, yeah. you know, we're not getting, we're getting silver. We're not getting gold again. She asked her. She asks. She mouths to her coats. Do we need this? And the, obviously yeah. the answer is yeah. Yeah, we do. She limps back to the vault. Goes up, runs, does her thing. She um, lands. Her ankle wavers because of the impact mm-hmm. from her body. She raises her arms. Sticks, sticks the landing. It. Sticks it. Um, USA won gold for the first time in the team event. She had torn two ligaments in her ankle. In her coach, do you remember the big yes, um, guy? Yes, that's the daddy coach. He like carries her out, and she's in her little jacket, and yeah. she's waving, she's and all the team pictures. Like, she everyone else still has puts their pants on, yeah. and she's still in her little yeah. <laughs> pictures. But he had to carry her up onto the podium to get her gold medal. That's just for the team event, and that's what it's, it's all awesome. about. That's what it's about. That's you just what get it's all push. about. Yeah. So how can you not love that? Oh, I mean, I was a Mary Lou Retton. That's when that's, the first like I she was huge yeah. mm-hmm. in 1984 she's fucking huge in those olympics everybody had those with the big hats. tiny that smile yeah and she just <laughs> she was the cutest little goddamn thing you've ever seen they're, they're just so cute yeah and tiny yeah they're, just, they're tiny I know. it amazes me about like so the girl that i was talking about earlier in the episode she was tall for a gymnast and she's the one who rolled her ankle i felt bad yeah she was tall though um, so there is the Olympics scissors and scrub style. It's so awesome. I think they're starting next week. Yeah. Are they? Dun, Within seven days. Dun, 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 dun. Okay. I can't wait. Uh, I can't wait. I can't. That's all you're going to hear in this We're going to be in Myrtle when that happens, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, we'll be at restaurants. I'm sure restaurants have TVs. We were away. Do you? I don't know if you remember this, but I love the Vienna Olympics. remembers it vividly. That I made them watch the mm-hmm. Olympics? Yeah. Vividly. Well, we were away. It was the winter. It's, it's the Olympics. It happens once every four vividly years. Vividly remembers it. She's like, is Laura going to make us watch the Olympics? Yes. Like, yes tell her yes. I'm going to make her watch the Olympics. <laughs> yes, <laughs> queen. She can go in a different room. I am watching the Olympics. I don't know. like... Oh my god, mom, she's gonna make us watch the Olympics. I'm like, yeah, she is. Yep, that's all she's got. Let her have it. How can you not love them? How can you I not? I only like them when we win. That's it. I love watching us get in the gold. I love winning. It's hard to watch the competition, and it it's is, hard. But it's just, and they're just so many goddamn events. They never end. I know, it's a beauty and then there's the qualifying and the pre-qualifying, and the thing, and then you're right in the medal round. Like, call me at the medal round. I don't want to see all the other shit. Oh no. I was watching a pre-qualifying track event. These girls, I was, they're running. And it's, I forget what it's called, but they run around the track and then they have to jump over a wall. And then there's water and they jump over that and through that. And then they keep running around. I can't remember what the name of the event is. Anyways, they're doing the pre-qualifying. And these like, one girl was way up front. But you knew this girl was making moves like she's going to make it oh, up yeah. front. And then there's like two right with her. And now they're all making moves. And then the three of them break in front of the girl. So it was like, first second third and the first two were going and the girl in second um drown no huh. she hit the wall fell like she tripped yeah. when she was coming out and i was like oh no she might have been on straight away it might have been right after the wall it was just like you're like come on and then it, if you get up really really fast you might be able to make it and i'm like oh my god she didn't i felt so bad it's just so it was like the like Second to last lap. It's the it's tragedy just, uh, and the highs and the lows. I and I mean, Michael Phelps. What the? F- the guy had like twenty three medals last time. It's re- he's just ridiculous. He's, awesome. he's ridiculous to watch, you know. He's awesome. But I love him. I love watching that one too. I'm like, come on, come on, come on. Oh, I'm screaming, do- oh, And those I- are within a tenth of a second. Yes, the swimming. Yeah, that's like, why I'm like, come on, go get that. So you have to like replay it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like stretch that fucking arm. All Put right. Those fingers out. Listen, enjoy the Olympics and um, watch them all. Don't get hit enjoy. in the head with a hammer or just no. no. Watch that pole vaulting. vaulting. Yeah, it could yeah. be bad. Put your inflatable vest on if you're on <laughs> don't. Just stay away from the horses altogether. 
And I think we're going to have a bonus episode coming up soon. We're going to call it from the files of We Told You So. Yeah. And um, enjoy, and we'll see you on the other side of vacation. Bye. Bye. Like, subscribe, rate, and review the Scissors and Scrubs podcast on whatever podcast app you listen to us on. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Scissors and Scrubs. And email us any of your stories or thoughts to scissorsandscrubs at gmail.com.